This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Fearlessly Failing. We've got an Aussie actor for you today, Alex Kubis. He's living in LA at the moment, so we recorded this episode via Zoom. But he is Sydney born and raised. He's super smart. He's got a law degree on top of all the acting. Plus, he writes, he produces, he's got his own production company. This guy's all about not needing to stay in one lane. And that's why he kind of wears all these different hats. He's really inspiring. He's really honest. He's recently been in Channel 7's Between Two Worlds and he's just got a really nice outlook on life. So I hope you feel inspired by this creative chat today with Alex. And just a quick PS, we've got a new Friday episode that's just launched and that's a diary entry from Byron Bay. So don't forget to tune in Friday for our second episode of the week. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Alex Cubis, I am really pumped to have you on here today because you are that Aussie Sydney boy that has gone to LA to chase the American acting dream. Am I right? <laughs> I guess so. Is that, do you mean like the Aussie Sydney boy? Because that's like the archetype. It's become a bit of an archetype or it has. a stereotype. It has, hasn't yeah. it? But what I loved about your story is you kind of chased law, like did a full degree in law before kind of like deep diving into acting, although you were kind of doing them at the same time, right? Yeah, which helped me sort of create um, or understand or get a bit of a balance, you know, which is still something that I sort of carry with me even to this day. But, yeah, I started law and then knowing I wanted to be an actor, but I think I wanted to make sure that like I would – I don't want to get caught up or I had a very clear understanding when I was younger, when I left school, that my understanding of what an actor was, was Joey from Friends. So I think yeah. that, you know, cause I didn't go, no one in my family was in the industry. So I was just yeah. like, it's so hard to do it as a career. So I really want to know that I can try something else to confirm that it's all I have to do. And I was actually even, you know, I got, uh, when I started law straight out of high school, I got an opportunity to do like a stage show. And that I was when I was quite young, so I didn't really like. It was before I really even had an. It was before I had an agent, but um, I worked like with some professional actors, and I was just like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I'm not. This isn't for me." And so I didn't actually do anything to do with acting for a couple of years, and I, I really pursued everything at university, sort of seriously, and, and worked at law firms and did internships, and and then it was um, a chance uh, casting in like a, a short film or something. Um, which led to meeting a director and then that led to an agent that it was just like, oh, okay. Oh, wow. Question, this this is is going, this is going back a little bit. Is it true that you were ducks of your school? And is, and am I saying this right? (laughs) St. Aloysius, is that right? Uh, Aloysius, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a Loretto girl, like. Oh, no way you are. So I'd be like a sister school, wouldn't I? Oh, wow. Loretto in Sydney or? No, um, so Loretto in Melbourne. Yeah, there's a couple around Australia. It's, I think that there's. 
a couple of Jesuit schools in, in yeah. Australia. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. what Alos is. But you were the yeah, ducks. Yeah, you would be. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty <laughs> – that's pretty impressive, right? So yeah, I didn't really have much. I didn't have much of a much of a life at school. I was a, I was a, I was a big nerd. No, um, being a nerd is very cool. Trust I'm, me. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm proud of it now, I suppose. So I love that you kind of like went down the the kind of like legal studying law. Like obviously, you've got an incredible brain to be able to do that, and then doing the theatre on the side. I. It's, you've been really fun to research because you're in a Netflix show that kind of went mental and there's like German dubbing of you. There is fan pages of you and your <laughs> character. Um, and it's called, am I saying right, Mako Mermaids? Is that right? Yeah, that's that's correct. Still has um, still has its very loyal fans. Very much. And your character, Eric, you legit had to have a prosthetic tail, and mm-hmm. I read the tales like 12 kilos. Like it sounded intense. Something very heavy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an interesting acting experience because that was my first job. I got that quite quickly after getting an agent and um, I, I did it or like midway through my degree or towards the end of my oh. degree or something. So I, I stopped uni for a while and um, I don't know, even at the time I was very aware, like it's something I'm really grateful for and it was a hard job in a lot of ways yeah you're right in saying that it was intense and I moved away from Sydney um but I think it was uh like a good crash course I guess you know because was that all shot on the Gold Coast it was yeah and I think the time away from Sydney helped and then and then the intensity of the job again to your to your comment which was pretty accurate um even though I sort of was just like no I you know I I do want to do this like I, I do really love acting but um I still had I still had to have a break, you know, from it afterwards, and I, I went back and I finished uni and needed to have a bit, a bit of a minute, I think, from from acting, given given the intensity of the job. Totally, um, yeah. and I think as well, like I know this sounds like a really weird thing to say, but like you'd be acting underwater a fair bit, <laughs> and like honestly, and I imagine you're in pools yeah. and. Well, we like, did, like, the cast all did during COVID, you know, it was pretty popular for casts of, um, you know, popular shows or whatever to do Zoom reunions and yeah. stuff. And we jumped on that bandwagon and we did a we did a cast reunion and we all fielded questions from social media fans and that was probably the most frequent question. Like, what was it like to act underwater? Like, it was, like, the number one question. Like, <laughs> did you actually get to keep the tail? And, um, yeah, which was wow. pretty funny going back down memory lane because it was something that I had again, through going to uni and then through doing different jobs since and, you know, moving to a different country. Um, it's like it hasn't been a long time, but it has been a long time. Um, and, uh, but yeah, but like I said, you know, something that I'm, I'm really grateful for because I, I learned a lot and gave me a lot of perspective. But it's cool when we reconnected on, you know, with the fans. You can, yeah. for those listening who are maybe a fan, I'm not sure, um, you can watch like the reunion on, on our all of our Instagrams, it was pretty. It's pretty funny. So cool. I mean, it's just so cool that, like, your trajectory sounds really interesting to me. Like, you've you've done that, so you've got that kind of taste of Australiana, kind of yeah. iconic. Like, it reminded me of the. Is it the H two O show as well? Yeah, it was a spin off. So it was a part of the same universe. Yeah. So yeah. you know, that's that kind of like iconic teenage Aussie show, and you mm. kind of like nailed that, and you're like, no, nah, I want to finish my law degree, and then. You got the extraordinary talent green card to then move to LA. Is that right? 
Yeah, well, actually, I originally got like a O1 visa. Yep. So if there are any actors listening, that's a pretty common thing to get for a lot yeah. of people. And um, uh, I remember that that experience was pretty challenging. You know, like the so theme of your on, yeah, and the yeah. theme the, the theme of your interviews is you know failure. And initially, my first O1, I got like a request for further evidence, and I remember, and that was not long after I graduated, and I turned down like full-time jobs, I think, you know, to work in law firms and consulting firms and stuff. And I was thinking, okay, I'll get this visa and I'll go to LA and and give that a crack with the visa. But um, initially, like I thought that it was denied and that was such an overwhelming experience having to respond to it. Um, But I remember my mum telling me that if it was easy, then everyone would do it. Um, Totally. And that wasn't something that she'd ever really even said to me about anything to do, or maybe she had to do with like law or to do with other things that I was doing, but I was much more tunnel visioned when it came to that. Yeah. When does it come, when it, when it came to things in relation to, um, you know, the industry, as I'm sure you can relate, it's both a weird inward experience as much as it is an outward thing where you're worrying about what other people think and yeah. um, it's, it's a bit of a, yeah, mind and I think for anyone listening that, you know, it's common for a lot of actors and creatives to want to go to America. Um, it took me three years to get my green card. And oh, I had awesome. the exact same thing as you, though. I had to yeah. give more evidence and what I thought would be like a six-month process. And you'd wake no, up. Becomes, yeah. You'd wake up in the morning like at 3 a.m. and be like, I'm just going to see if my American lawyers have written back to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, in the time difference as well, because then you think that they're actually working at that time, and um, it is, yeah, it's it is it is really challenging. Um, and you're in LA now, right? While we record this, yeah, yeah, I am, and you know, like I've been going back and forth basically since since uni. Uh, uh, either I would I would come here, and then I'd get an acting job in Australia, and I'd have to go back. Um, and then I I would come back. So I've been doing that, you know, that's like a typical route, but, um, you know, to the the interesting thing of what you started the conversation with about acting journeys and the typical journey of an Aussie actor coming over here, which I guess has definitely been delayed by, by COVID. Um, I, I like, I think that it's important. Like I want other actors listening to this to know that originally the reason that compelled me to come over here was because I just didn't want to be an actor in Sydney because I was so concerned with what other people thought like I had to get out like and I so the reason part of the huge reason I came to LA wasn't even necessarily to work as an actor but it was just to sort of escape from that because I wasn't even sure that acting or I would have success with it or continue to find success with it so I think I just was under a naive bubble of wanting to just escape the questions because so few people in Sydney I think, understandably, because it's a cottage industry, so few people appreciate, yeah. I think, what it, what it is. And, again, I didn't come from a family with people in the business, so it was even it was much more exaggerated. So I just needed to sort of escape the opinions in order to figure out, I think, what I wanted to do. I like that, though. I've lived in Sydney for work for, like, six years, and I remember someone saying to me, also from the entertainment industry, like, Sydney will chew you up and spit you out if you're not ready. Because it's, I say so much people, like LA. LA's probably more intense than that. Right, totally. I say to yeah. people, go, what's the difference between Sydney and Melbourne? And I say Sydney has more people sharks. Yeah, like, yeah. People want something from you. And I know you, it, you get that in LA too. But yeah, yeah. And the heart makes, you know, sorry, absence make the heart makes the heart grow fonder. As every time I'm not in Sydney or Australia, like I miss it so much. But when I was so, you know, when I was younger, um, and I've even noticed this shift just in the past couple of years. But um, 
Sydney, or at least my experience of it was that, um, yeah, people, it's has like a little bit of a New York character or quality yeah. to its personality and, you know, uh, combine that with tall poppy syndrome or whatever, yeah. you know, it's rife for those sorts of, those sorts of conversations. So yeah, it can, s- it can be challenging. I'm so glad you brought up tall poppy syndrome because that's the thing that I struggle with in Australia because I also go to America a bit for work and it feels like the tall poppy syndrome doesn't exist in America. But Mm -hmm. here it's very – and even the way Aussies – I interview um, a a fair few Australian actors on this podcast but also you get the odd American and they'll be like, so I've done this, I've done this, and they're kind of like excited to share with you. Yeah, and and it's interesting because – the quality with which they say, if you if you know the more Americans you know, you start to understand that, at least in my experience, that it's not really necessarily even coming from like a boastful place. Like it's some, it is definitely sometimes, but they're actually just like they just want to share their story because they feel. I feel like a lot, of, at least a lot of my friends, they want to share because they think that by sharing their story, it's going to help you. Yeah, I like. It's that. not just like it's not just like self promotion. It's like a giving. Yeah, like and yes, yeah, and yes, but with the assumption with when Australians do do it is that it, there is an element of boasting. Uh, even myself, when I first came here, I was like, I was guilty of it, thinking of Americans that were talking to me and telling me about what they were doing. I was like, dude, I don't, I don't yeah, care. It's just or like, culture, where's this right? coming from? But yeah. it was like that cynicism came up, and then over time, I realized, oh no, it's not. They don't. They're not doing it to boast to like impress you because they want anything out of you that they're just they're talking about their lives and yeah there's like an ambitious component to it but um there is a a genuineness there that doesn't necessarily i think warrant the the you know the flack of criticism that sometimes that type of behavior can attract i'm really excited because i spent yesterday arvo watching between two worlds and so i'm really excited to talk to you about playing danny and but but quickly, just because we, it is so timely to be interviewing someone that's in yeah. LA during COVID and, you know, shows being put off and, you know, mm. how does it feel to be, you know, an actor in LA right now during all this COVID lockdown stuff? I initially, like there was a, like a two-day period, I think, at the beginning of the year, like it was in the middle of of pilot season and things were looking really good. And, uh, you know, especially, you know, I was very fortunate with what sort of activity I had and what projects were potentially like on the line or whatever, you know, that sort of talk. Um, and there was like two days where like article after article and all the news of the trades was like this production shutting down, this production shutting down, this network shutting down. I was like, Oh, okay, this is real. Um, but I don't know, I, I, in all honesty, like it might also be me being a bit of a homebody and I've also had to pivot, you know, so many different times and just the journey of coming to LA a couple of years ago for the first time was just so hard for the first like three months. Like that was so much harder than what I personally have had to deal with over the past um, couple of months during COVID. So in all honesty for me, you know, I'm fortunate that I, I do other things for work outside of acting. Like I have a business and I do different things. So I, like, it wasn't a huge problem for me. Like it, it obviously is really disappointing. And now I'm feeling like I'm getting the itch where I really just, you know, I want to be on a set again and be a part of that yeah. process. Um, but in all honesty, like it's put things in, it'll force me to put things into perspective and hit the pause button reconnect you know instead of focusing on the next job just focusing on acting and just reading you know plays or watching movies I haven't had a chance to and Mm. um 
but again, like again to the theme of your your, your interview series and your podcast, like about how failure better prepares you. Um, the emotional challenge of like my first, I remember my first like three months in LA was so much worse than anything I've had to go through over the over the past couple of months. So it's like, had I not gone through that a couple of years ago, then I wouldn't have been able to sort of just you know, focus and, and move through COVID. So we're very, very, very lucky. Yeah, and you've got a, your own production company as well, right? Smart Pitches. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So that's pretty. That's a very savvy thing to do as an actor as well because it means that you get to look at content and creating content from so many different perspectives, right? Yeah, you know, I, I love, like, the process. Like, I've, I've been saying for such a long time, like, you know, I wanted to be a producer and I've I've been told by a couple of managers in the past or just in general, like, I picked up on the idea that um, it's important not to put the cart before the horse and so not to try to produce too much before, you know, maybe I've done the things that I've, I've wanted to do as an actor because, you know, otherwise it's just like it takes too much attention away and it's, you know, hard enough to be an actor, so why would you make it more difficult? But um, I've been able to do it. Uh, just by focusing like on on like short form content, so the the scale of the projects, um, which is what a lot of platforms need nowadays. You know, obviously Quibi has launched, but um, there's a lot of like uh, short form uh, video distribution platforms that are available, or uh, production companies or brands that require like video content. Yeah. And I thought it was just an opportunity to like get my feet wet and then you know do things. And, uh, you know, because I just love being on set, you know, being part of that process um, as much as acting. So uh, it's been a fun, a fun way to sort of keep. And you learn this. from everything. You learn every so time much. you're on set. And, and as you, as you, because I know that you're taking acting lessons, but like as actors, it's just so easy to get so self-involved and concerned with what we're doing. And once you make something, even if it's just a short film, you appreciate Actors, like, yeah, they're important, but they're nowhere near as important as what our heads make us believe that we are. And especially, like, with the audition process or with the filming process, like, the director is equally as concerned with getting the shot because the light is about to run out at the end of the day. And they're making sure that you, you know, get your moment where you feel like you really felt it or whatever it might be, you know, because they can edit around it, um, but they can't necessarily edit around whether the sun has set, you know, on the, on the reverse shot. And then that'll create a huge glaring continuity problem. And that can be a legitimate challenge because it may come at a point in the episode that's really important. And, you know, they'll, you know, I think, yeah, it definitely puts things in perspective as an actor. I listened last week to a podcast with Jason Bateman and cause he, mm. he acts, writes, directs, produces, I, and yeah. isn't he wonderful? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. I love Ozark, but he said, he actually said, because he's quite witty and dry and he said in this interview, he's like, sometimes the actor will say the line perfectly. He goes, but they'll have a really dumb look on their face. And he's like, you have to edit around that. And yeah. I was just like, oh, my God. And I think you're spot on. Like as an actor, it's so easy to get inside your head and be like, I am actor. I need to give, you know, my best. Yeah. But it's like you also need to understand the lenses. You also need to understand what's going on in the scene. You also need to understand the writer's intention. Like there's a yeah. lot. Yeah, and as well how a scene is going to be cut so that it tells a story because it might be more focused on a prop or like, you know, a piece yeah. of paper or like a, a little like map or something on a desk and that's what it needs to put the close-up onto rather than the close-up on the actor's face. Even if they're saying words that add context to the story, the viewer watching it will get more out of looking at that prop it's because it's the whole thing. And it doesn't mean, though, but then that 
equally, like I've learned that that doesn't mean that it, you as an actor need to, or that gives you an op- a reason to um, phone it in because, yeah. you know, you also it's also good to give the editor and the director options on the day. Totally. And yeah. uh, uh, one of my acting teachers, he said, "There's a the, there's a lot of differences between theatre and shitty on film." He said, "But often mm. on film, a lot of acting is done off lines. So it's not just like yeah. you need to know your lines. You might be listening or reacting totally. to the other actor." And, and I'm like, it's "Oh my god, yeah, yeah! There's so much yeah, more yeah. to it. <laughs> Definitely. Do you think? Okay, so I really liked watching Between Two Worlds." I think at the eight-minute mark of episode one, your character gets concussed <laughs> like <laughs> pretty quickly. You're in the deep end. And can you take me through, first of all, I'd really like to hear the audition process because you are living yeah. in the, you know, auditioning in LA and then auditioning. This is obviously an Australian drama. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I imagine they're probably different experiences and, yeah, how you came to be Danny. Yeah, Um We'll start off with the audition process. That was a chance by, I, I went back to Sydney for my dad's birthday and for another family thing. Um, so it was primarily like a family issue. Um, and I think on the way to the airport, which was a very last minute flight to Australia. And then on the way to the airport, my Australian agent, you know, sent me the script and um the casting directors had come to a screening of a short film. I'd never met the casting directors before, but I made a short film project and they'd come to a screening of it at the a couple of months prior, like in LA, um, which was a, a film project I made with a friend called uh, Rachel Palumbo. Um, and that's that film project is called Rocket Man. So I guess that's how, you know, the casting directors came yeah. to know me. Um, and then the audition, you know, I, I got the script, I read it on the plane there. I was like, well, there's no chance for me to really quote unquote rehearse this. So um, I got picked up at the airport and I just went straight to the audition. And oh, I think, wow. uh, I think, I think at that point, like I was sort of, um, I wasn't overacting at all, but I was, I was maybe again considering like maybe scaling my business or going into production a little bit more, so or development. And I think that combination of all of that allowed, you know, things to. Uh, happen more naturally because I'm just learning as, a, as all actors have to do, learn to let it go and not care as much, which is still something I'm figuring out on a day-to-day basis. They say they say that it's that that audition. Uh, Cody Fern talks about his audition for Assassination of Gianni Versace and he's like, I was about to give it up. Like I'd spent yeah, all my yeah. money in LA. Like I walked into yeah. the audition and I was like, if I don't get this, this is my sign kind of thing. Right, and then, of course, yeah. you get it and it sounds like yeah. you had got this, you'd got this script on the plane, you know, you're coming back for other reasons. So you're like, and it almost sounds like you were just kind of open as opposed to if I yeah. don't, you know, I need to do yes. this. It, it wasn't, it was, it was never like a be all and end all and that's what yeah. I started to sort of learn and as well, like even when you're, even when something's happening and exciting things are happening, I've started to appreciate the more that I do it. It's just like, one, like I've always known this, but life really doesn't change. And, you know, the only difference is that you're making money off of it. But even then that doesn't change your life because as we all know, money doesn't Mm. bring happiness. Um, So the only really thing that we can do is as as part of the process, I guess, is care about the story and enjoy, enjoy that. Like that's, that's the simplest way to, to do it really. 
and the writer, because this was written by Bevan Lee, right? Who's like yeah, iconic. He's so lovely, obviously. so iconic. Like yeah. so again, again, <laughs> subscribe to the narrative of the yeah. Aussie Sydney boy archetype. Like yeah. H two O tick, like yeah. Bevan Lee tick. <laughs> I mean, he's a mate yeah. for people listening, like Pack to the Rafters, Winners and Losers, All Saints, Place to Call Home, like. He's done so much. He's written yeah, and so much. Yeah, he's so much. generous as a as a person and as a creative. Like he he is a person that just cares about the story and then just wants to sort of help everyone, you know, sort of be a part of it. What a great experience. So, okay, so you did the audition, kind of had no expectations, which I imagine is like the magic ingredient. How long between mm. doing that first audition did you have to go for callbacks? Like how did it go? No, no, they actually, I think they had struggled to find the guy. So I think they, I think I got it, I found out like the following day. Even. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, and I think as well, like, what was very, like, you know, out of order, unordinary, but um, I think uh, as well my experience in LA, I'm not sure if that sort of helped elevate, you know, me being selected because then it makes it look like I'm, you know, because I'm doing other things overseas or in a different market that can also help and even just the lessons learned, you know, that I, at the table read, you know, the, the casting director, um, Lee Pickford sort of attested to that um, and then also commented on how like Aussies and I agree I would agree with this it's like an opportunity to every time I've come back to Australia for a job usually, usually they've always been like three months stints um, they've it's been like an opportunity to sort of reset and hit the reset button creatively and come back with a different perspective and um, you know it just sort of keeps the flow of you just going from job to job at the end of the day yeah, totally. So how long were you – so if you got cast the next day, when did shooting start and how long were you shooting for? Because all shot in Sydney it looked like. It was all shot in Sydney but I actually – when it rains it pours and I had to go back to LA for like a couple of days or something. Oh, wow. Or maybe like a week or I can't remember. Maybe it was for like a week or something because that day then I had like a – a, a, a big uh, a director's session or producer's session for for a movie, you know, like with a with a huge actor that obviously my US reps would have been really yeah. disappointed by, you know. So and and then all of that activity just sort of it, it builds, I guess, and you just allows me certainly. I think I sort of I thrive more on activity, um, which can be a blessing and a curse because it means when momentum stops, I sort of freak out a little bit, but. Um, I had to come back, you know, for for business stuff, uh, you know, which is predominantly in LA, and you know, for those for the, those auditions, and then um, had to, you know, weigh up. I think there was a period of like weighing up which ones we sort of go with. But I loved the story of and wanted the chance to work in Australia again, so came back for a couple months to do, um, yeah, between two worlds. Oh wow! So I love hearing. This is what I love about creatives. Nobody's got a linear story. Like every everybody's no story does, is. Yeah. Completely it's hard to it's different. so hard to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> I you just uh, want to be able to be like tick tick tick. I know, right? By, by the same token, that would be so boring. So I've also read you've done a lot of theatre. Do you prefer theatre or do you prefer film? What what medium do you prefer? Uh, I, I prefer film and TV, but because I'm also not a trained theatre actor. Like I, I sort of got random theatre opportunities just from being mm-hmm. in Sydney and. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't call myself a, a good theatre actor. I wouldn't even know what that is, but I'd be really interested to actually like eventually do, you know, do come back to Australia. I'd love to do like an SDC show or yeah. show on Broadway about, um, 
uh, I'm interested at the moment in stories about like, you know, grief and power dynamics and things like that. So I'm starting to appreciate, you know, the, the details of that a little bit more. Um, and I don't think that it's the medium doesn't really matter. And I think that the more stuff uh, that people do over Zoom, you realize that stuff can be done even creatively. Um, so, you know, eventually I'd like to do that, but predominantly my interest is in film just because being on a set is so fun. The pace yeah. is quite quick, you know. I agree. And I feel like, so I, where I study at school, it's, it's theatre dominant. Where are you studying? 16th Street. So oh, the awesome. Yeah. head of acting is Ian Sinclair, who is like pretty mega in the theatre world in Australia, yeah, like yeah, all yeah. MTC stuff. And he is wonderful. He's British, kind of like comes from a British background. So we really work kind of like on that methodology. But all mm-hmm. of last year, because all of last term, because our school went to Zoom, we had a lot of LA teachers. So it was more like Chubbick technique. So we cool. Were yeah. Kind of learning all these different, all the different kind of things. Yeah. Skill sets. Yeah. There looks like there's so many good school, acting schools in LA or at least like classes you can go to. Do you go to classes a little bit in LA? Yeah, or yeah, like I do. I've, I've sort of, I've tried like a couple of different ones and I think that, you know, the, the biggest takeaway from them is um, one, like at least with me, it is hard to leave it and come back and expect you, you're sort of as quote unquote sharp you know, it's not, not because like it's acting is necessarily hard. It's, I think sometimes like I, I make it more complicated than it needs to be. So it's actually just by practicing, I, I realize how on a regular basis, I realize how simple it is um, and how much for, it's just like, it's just fun. Like that's the whole point of it, right? We're doing it because it's fun. Totally. And I, but I think yeah. like the double-edged sort of you being obviously super intelligent and you've probably got that kind of like brain that likes to know. Right, right, right brain, left brain, yeah, which is right. a huge. And that's part of the reason why I had to sort of leave, step back from acting sort of a couple of times, you know, there's yeah. been chapters where I've taken, I was like not going to pursue it at all. And then, yeah, actually a couple of times where I've actually I consciously stopped to do something else where I thought I would know what the plan is and maybe enjoy that more. But in reality, like it's all in any any understanding of the future is all an illusion. So we really don't know anything that's going to come, even if we're in a conventional job. Um, totally. So it's much, I just find it is more interesting to pursue, you know, a career like this, even if there's uncertainties of it, because that's actually the beauty of it. Um, but again, yes, it can be very hard, well, literally just with acting, if because you need to know where your mark is and you need to know what your lines are, but how can you make it seem like real when it's happening for the first time if you, have rehearsed it or whatever. I guess that's that's the challenge with it. Totally. I had a question about because you work obviously on American sets as well as Australian sets. If you're on an American set and have to have an American accent, do you mm-hmm. are you one of the actors that will wake up that morning and stay on accent for the entire day, or do you break it at lunchtime? What's your method? I'm I'm a little bit I'm worried that I'm losing my American my my Australian accent. So I try to. Um, uh, consciously go into American and then consciously go into Australian. And um, otherwise I think that I'd risk um, if like I kept it up all day, even though that's like a good exercise and I've done that before. Um, I feel like for me personally, like that's started, maybe that would encourage bad habits. And I have this weird hybrid of Australian and American and then that is contributing to me losing my Australian accent. So I hope that no one, you know, I'm sure that some people listening have even been like, is he American? And even on set if between two worlds, you know, some of the extras said that. Um, but, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm having a problem with lighting. But, um, 
yeah, I think uh, it's just you figure it out, you know, yeah. over the years what works for you. Yeah, totally. I saw an interview where someone said, what would your dream acting job be? And you said, Bond film, but the villain. Is it still that? Is that still your dream? <laughs> I don't when did I say that? It, I, it was uh, an interview with like a a young kind of Hollywood kind of, uh, I don't know if it was an online show, but it was called like Hollywood TV or something. It would be about oh, two okay. years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. that actually, that would be that would be a pretty cool job. But I, yeah. would probably, I would probably stand by that answer. At the moment, I'm really loving Succession. So I've said that oh, recently awesome. whenever I'm asked, you know, like I think that would be an amazing an amazing show and story to be a part of. Awesome. Is it, is it for you as well, like, do you, as you grow as an actor, you were like, oh, I'd like to work with that director or I'd really like to work with that writer or I'd really like to work with that actor. Do you find that you now are kind of getting a taste for what you love the more yeah. that you work in it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's, you sort of start to, as a kid growing up watching the industry from the outside, you wonder like how it works and how do people sort of, mm. and I think that, um, is actually the place, like, interestingly, that I've always wanted to be rather than, like, consistently working and, you know, um, making this amount of money. It's actually, like, that place of confidence where you can not, like, be entitled enough to ask to work with these people but to really truly know as a creative you want to collaborate with these people or on these types of stories because they speak to you in, in some way. Um, totally. Yeah. And I I think like how you said about confidence and and to me that comes from like a not to get too hippie and esoteric but like a sense of self belief <laughs> you know and yeah. like kind of knowing and, and just and also just and just like interest too you yeah. know it's just like any 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 other person in any other regular job you know whether it's like a, whether it's a doctor or a lawyer and the lawyers thinking that they want to you know change into a different practice area out of interest because they're bored of what they're doing or because they you know, want to work with certain people in a different field. Like it's it's sort of the same thing. Um, but acting is so vague and, you know, like esoteric and hippie and stuff that yeah. it's like throws you in all different directions. So it's hard to sort of develop that compass. Totally. Has there been like a pinch me moment or what's been like if you had to pinpoint a highlight thus far of your acting career? Um, I guess probably in some of the... Actually, like it's not necessarily working. I think it's more um, some of the the periods where I've honestly just been like, and this sounds a little pretentious, but like studying it, you like with mm. with really good teachers and having a moment of realization, mm. and that and 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 where I realize like just I just enjoy it for it on its own because I think that there's I've had like professional pinch me moments, but. Um, I feel like they don't really, you know, they're not as maybe rewarding because the, the good thing is, is about when you know that you're studying it, maybe you're not even making money from it. Maybe even you're having to pay to be a part of that, you know, study environment mm. and you're learning something really inspiring from it. You know that it's the, the, the joy is, is real and genuine because it's just about the process or about, you know, it on its own. It's not about you're just there the potential you love it. moment. Yeah, exactly. So I would say those, which again is a hard thing. I, 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 I tend to have those, you know, once in a while and then I get distracted and I get caught up in the hustle of it all that I forget and then I have to have the experience again. So I'm just yeah. reminded of it, I guess. 
I think, uh, and I read this about, you know, I love it. I think it's so important as a creative to have an understanding of one's own mental health. And I've read that you're really passionate about mental health. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, not necessarily your journey, but it can be your journey, but I guess why mental health is so important, I think for you as a person, but also for you as an actor. Yeah, definitely. Um, I Like I think that, so as a part of my journey, yeah, both professions or careers that I've had the most experience in would be would be legal, professional, you know, that sort of business side of the world and, um, and, and entertainment and they're two fields that really have or are affected by mental health, you know, the yeah. people because of the in acting, whether it's like uncertainty or the criticism or the rejection and in the legal profession, um, sort of the same thing, but more like the competitiveness and how the training of your brain, you, you look for errors as opposed to looking for the good in things. Like that's what you're trained to do for the most part as a lawyer. And it's reflected in the day-to-day process, whether you're doing discovery and you're looking for something that's like wrong or like that's, that stands out, but usually not for like a good reason. Um, so um, yeah, just my experiences of being like attracted to both and, you know, um, not having a sense of community sometimes at sometimes, or, mm. you know, being at law school saying I wanted to be an actor and then not people understanding that or trying to be an actor. And then people being like, well, you didn't go to NIDA or WAPA. <laughs> so yeah. like, what are you, or can you be taken seriously? Or, you know, cause I did some modeling. So they, people were taking less seriously because of that. Um, I saw you were on Chad Chadwick. Is that right? Modeling agency. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, I was very, I was a very awkward model, and I still sometimes photo shoots are fun, but sometimes I'm just I'm so awkward in them. Like I feel so awkward in them. That's a good thing to admit, though. So I also think yeah. as an actor, uh, having a sense of understanding or working on your mental health makes mm-hmm. you understand human behavior better, which yeah, therefore em- makes you better. Yeah, and then yeah, you're an actor empathy. as a result. empathy and emotion and self-awareness it's all I think a part of it and just having the resilience to you know I mean it's very easy as an actor to take things personally but um developing the resilience through persistence and and understanding that um there's no right or wrong way whether it's with the career projection or with the way that a scene should you know quote-unquote go Mm -hmm. um those are all things that I've sort of had to overcome, which I can't, I wish I could give like a listener right now, like a magic solution because it's still something that I have to work on. But it's just like daily practice with whatever you figure out works for you and consistency and then persistence and connecting with the reasons why you're doing something. Um, totally. For me, you know, the same thing in law school. Like I genuinely enjoyed parts of law school and the things that I enjoyed the most about it and even when I was working was when I was like learning something and the process mm. of doing it and I wasn't concerned about the mark I was going to get or whether I would get an internship or whether I would get a clerkship offer from this particular firm. Um, the results, being focused on the results takes you out of the present or at least it does for me. So, totally. um, yeah, I think it's just about just about coming back to the moment. And do you find in mm. America versus Australia, like Americans 
are really open about like, I've got my therapist, I've got my like, and in Australia, I have a therapist and it's still got a bit of a stigma here, yet you're kind of, mm-hmm. I say to people, I'm like, if you want to be successful in any field, get a therapist because yeah. you're going to be able to yeah. process stuff so much faster, learn yes. from it, move on, get yes. more resilient yes. like you just said. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I would I would probably say that. It's potentially like, you know, um, as beautiful as Australia is, it's interesting because I think someone told me once, Americans are warm on the outside and cold on the inside. Australians are sort of cold on the outside but warm on the inside, mm. um, you know, which I, 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 I actually love because, you know, it just speaks to and, and highlights the fact that Australians are really good people. You know, I love Australia. Um, but I think that with our, with our history and with our means of communication, how sparse our land is, like you could get multiple PhDs written on like why we have that. But there's probably like a lack of, um, I think, a willingness to normalise uh, advocating or finding, you know, uh, mental health wellness solutions or whatever because it, it can read as pretty self-important or pretentious, you know, to assume yeah. that you are that important that you deserve to have a person assess you and talk about you for an hour a week or whatever it might be, you know, that is pretty self, like it can be seen understandably that I can see even see it, but it can be pretty self-aggrandizing. So um, I I sort of, I sort of get it, but um, I think I've, and just even the past like year or two, I've I've been asked to be a part of things that are Australia related to do with mental health. So Mm. I feel like the conversation is being, um, is being normalised. Definitely. And you have just signed on as an ambassador for Polish Man. You and I are both ambassadors. Um, What made you want to sign on to this amazing charity that is all about ending violence against children? What made you kind of go, i got to be involved with this? Um, I mean, I've had uh, friends and people very close to me have, you know, traumatic childhood experiences Mm -hmm. um, and it really, which reminds you how close to home it is and that it's something that affects people regardless, and children, regardless of backgrounds, economics, um, access to education or whatever. Like it's just, a, you know, um, a gross exploitation, I think, of like the most vulnerable children are powerless, you know, and I was very lucky that um, I that was not part of my experience. So it's not something that I even sort of understood as something that was so common mm-hmm. until like a couple of years ago when, you know, my uh the people close to me shared their experiences so i think um i mean that was a big reason why i was so keen to sort of just like draw attention to it and um and as well you know like a lot of i was on a kid's show so you know they're still and the kids kids still watch it so i'd like to know that they feel supported um and it's a really lovely story you know the way that it um, came about. I'm not sure. Should we talk about that now? Yeah, or is totally. That, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, like, and I think the stats are crazy. That's why, yeah. like, it's like one billion kids, which is half the kids in the world are affected. And how, by especially, and in Australia as well, with yeah. the which it affects Indigenous children too. Yeah. And that, you know, is such a relevant part of the conversation in the way that um, Indigenous people uh, in Australia are so, like, grossly affected by issues or, in, like, disproportionately so. Um, so it's just part of like a, a meaningful conversation that any human needs to sort of, you know, recognize because if someone else, they know whether it's this cause specifically and how that can sort of trigger a conversation yeah. to really demonize that behavior against children or it's to help people realize that someone in their life might be a potential 
you know, potential perpetrator or be a part of or know someone who knows someone, you know, to combat that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being involved with Polish Man because it's it's been amazing to see so many, you know, profiles um, get involved and get behind it and just be like put their hand up. And when I saw yeah. your name on the list, I was like, I've got to interview him. So <laughs> I'm really glad that it has also meant that this um, interview has come yeah. to life as yeah, a result I'm really of it. Yeah, I'm really grateful for it. Uh, my lucky last question is uh, a few actors will probably listen to this because, as you know, I'm in drama school. What would your advice be for uh, because your trajectory has been one that has gone to America and there is a, yeah. a, a famous kind of saying in the Australian industry at the moment and that is don't go to America until you're invited. I kind of disagree with that because I'm like okay. I'm all about kind of yeah. Pounding the pavement and yeah, right. Doing you and I work. have that in common then. Yeah, yeah I like I yeah. like the roughness of kind of like feeling like when you describe that feeling first it three and, months, and putting yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, it's it's very and it's interesting looking back. Like it's easy to romanticize that, but I would I would sort of um, I guess I was I disagreed. You know, with that to 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 an extent. You know, like I think in my situation, if there's any actors listening, like. I sort of was invited by representatives. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't have, and it wasn't, even though I had the RFE, like it wasn't all too challenging in the end of the day to get the O one as it is mm-hmm. compared to say some of my, uh, some of my friends who sort of go through that process too. Um, so, and I was in, I was in a position to, um, and again, like I think that, you know, I just finished university. So it sort of made sense. I was going to move somewhere. Yeah. So, Mentally, you know, um, where I was, it made sense, even though maybe I wasn't necessarily ready to work straight away um, because I realized again that I needed to take a bit of a break of it so I could, you know, focus on focus on a business and then that gave me perspective. Um, I think that I would just like, if there's any advice about that phrase, if anyone's listening, I think that you should at the very least start to plant seeds mm. um, because... Any time spent over here, which is the apex of the industry globally, um, you know, it's where the most resources are. Um, even if you want to be in Australia, like you still would learn something hugely from coming here. And there's also, interestingly about that comment, you know, you don't go until you're invited. But then also whenever I hear from Australian actors that they say, um, you know, what are they even doing over there? Like, just like, well, they're doing the same thing that you're doing in Sydney or Melbourne. Like, yeah, they're, you know, they've maybe they've, maybe they're filming occasionally, maybe they're not, maybe they're auditioning, maybe they're working on their own stuff, but it's the same process. But you're, you're probably, I can imagine most of my colleagues and then myself included, like, you learn a lot. Um, so, you know, there's no one size fits all, but I think like I've read in the interview of yours, you just have to follow your gut. And um, the only thing is when making a decision about making a leap or something overseas, you follow your gut, but you need to balance that against an awareness of like, well, whether you're prepared, whether you have your ducks in a row, whether you, for instance, you do you have the visa, whether you know, I do you even know why you want to be an actor, like all those sorts of things. Otherwise, yeah, you will probably face a bit of a challenging journey. Oh, that's such good advice though. And I love that you've described it as like the apex of kind of the entertainment world because I always call it the epicentre. I'm like right, LA right. is is the epicentre and 
uh, my dear friend who also works with you, Jane, always says to me, she goes, Lol, there's so much opportunity there. You could be sitting at a cafe and it just so happens that a director is sitting next to you. That doesn't happen so I've much in Australia. I've literally, I've had that happen to me and I've literally had a, had a friend have that happen yeah. to her. It didn't lead to a job per se, but it was like both very synchronistic moments yeah. that make it seem more real and make it, it, it normalises being a part of it all, which is all like encouraging, I think, at the end of the day. Definitely. Does it feel like there's hope in LA? Like it is going to come back to life next year and... Shows will take off again. Yeah, I, I feel like it is. Like we're seeing that some of the procedurals um, and some of the stuff that's shot in studio have just, has just started in the past week. Awesome. Um, so it looks like people are figuring out how things to do it and they've even been shooting like indie films in other parts of the state or other parts of the country in different states, you know, in this period. They just haven't really been publicising them until maybe after they've gotten them in the can because then they're able to be like, look, we did it, we made a film during COVID. Yeah. Um, and everyone else is, you know, we're just taking it, I guess, day by day as, yeah. as it is in Australia. The thing that has affected me is that I haven't been able to come back to Australia during this time because of the, the travel restrictions has made it so challenging, whereas I usually probably would have come back to Australia by this point um, in the year. So um, that's why it's it's disappointing for me. But, yeah, I guess we'll all just keep our, our fingers crossed that it will because I have a feeling that it will. Definitely. So do I. So do I. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I have really loved this conversation and I cannot wait to just see your career continue to unfold. Very exciting. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're a legend. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. Mm-hmm.